Hello, today we will be doing question and answers, you ask, I answer style. Uh, we're going to get into some stuff. I've not seen all the questions, but most of them, yes. I posted some, but not all. Just remember, when we get into this, you literally asked for this. Here we go. Hi friends, this is Bethany Jennings, and you're listening to We Should Talk. It's a podcast where we talk about anything and everything to encourage, equip, and empower you to be a decent human. Let's talk. Before we dive right in, there's some stuff that some people want to tell you, so we'll be right back. Okay, as you may have heard in uh, the intro to today's podcast, I am not alone in this house. Um, Onyx is here. He usually is. He's my kid. But also, I have my niece, Kennedy, with me. And uh, she said she wanted to come home with me to show Onyx some attention, which was a very adult thing for a seven-year-old to say, but whatever. So she's hanging out with me today. So if you hear them in the background... That's what's going on. All right, let's hop right into these questions. We have a few today. Uh, what was your worst day ever is our first question. Um, I don't try, I don't generally keep track of my bad days. Like, you know, it's like, oh, this is the best day ever. And you remember that, like, you know, your wedding, your kid being born, graduation, whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't keep track of bad days. There was this one time where I almost died. Uh, from like a gallbladder attack basically and I'm like I wasn't feeling rocking awesome anyways and then I went with my mom and got a pedicure and we left the pedicure and went and got a massage so it was like a whole day of pampering so like this starts off great right starting off as a not so bad day well apparently there was some infection in my body and the pedicure kind of you know stirred it up as they were massaging my legs and then I went to the massage and it just spread the (laughs) infection even further and um anyways so I thought I was dying I was like mom I'm just not feeling 100% like my stomach feels really hard over here I'm just it's like before I was married like David wasn't even living here yet uh and um so I was like, you just go do what you're going to do. I'm going to go home and take a nap. So I went home and I laid down. Well, David was FaceTiming me. Um, and he's like, I just, I don't want to, I don't want you to, because you just do it. You, you go to sleep, but I'm going to, I'm going to work around my house here and I'll just check on you every now and then, but you just go to sleep. So I did. And then I couldn't, like, I couldn't move. Basically I was trying to move and I couldn't move. It was very scary. Um, and so David called my mom, who was in town at a friend's house, and she came back to the house and uh, helped me get up out of bed. Uh, apparently, I was I had like a really really bad fever, and there was infection in my body, and all this crazy stuff. And it turns out I was having a gallbladder attack with all that. Ended up in the ER and ER bed. Like I wasn't really when I left the ER, I wasn't in pain from. The gallbladder attack and infection and fever, like all that. I was more in pain from the actual ER bed. It was horrible. Anyways, the ER bed was not comfortable. It was a whole thing. 
David ended up calling my mom. She came and got me. Went to the ER. Yes, she had a gallbladder attack. David ended up driving down. He lived like four and a half, five hours away at that point. Ended up driving down to be with me in the ER. Um, and then I ended up on some heavy drugs to manage the pain. And I may or may not have ended up telling some people what I thought about them. Because I had even less of a filter than I normally do. Because of the drugs. So, it ended up okay. I had my gallbladder taken out. It ended up okay. But, that was, it was a scary moment. I'll say that. It wasn't like a horrible day. It definitely could have been worse. But, it was a scary day. We'll leave it at that. Next. Can you share your location with me? What? Uh, this question says, can you share your location with me? I am at home in my chair with my feet up because I'm very pregnant. That's that's my location. I'm not sharing my location with you on my iPhone. Because first of all, I don't know who you are. Second of all, stalkers. Ugh. Moving on. How did you know that David was the one for you? That's the question. How did you know David was the one for you? Um, there were a few things. But I specifically remember one main thing. There was a person in my life who shall remain unnamed who um, had their own set of issues and every time there would be like a an almost relationship between me and a guy um, it, it was this person kind of suddenly showed up in that guy's life and the guy was suddenly distracted with her and any interest that we were sharing kind of went away because they got caught up with her. Um, and this happened not just once. <laughs> this happened multiple times. So I vividly remember saying, all right, Lord, if he's really the one that I should be talking to, be interested in, like he's, this is it. I remember saying, not just, not, well, not with David specifically, but I remember saying, whoever the one is for me will not even notice that she exists. And I let it go. For the record, I let that person go as a friend for a while too, until they matured. But, uh, sure enough, David showed up, never even mentioned her existence, never anything. Uh, she came up one time, I think I was, I was trying to explain who somebody else was and, and I was like, no, that's not her. That was what he goes. Oh, you mean the one that looks like blah, 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 blah. The guy goes, oh yeah, no, not her. <laughs> like he didn't even like, was not even on his radar in any form or fashion. And in that moment I was like, oh, so we could be serious then. Okay. Uh, so that was part of it. It was that he he was willing to show me attention without dividing that attention between multiple sources at once. He wasn't a uh, leave your options open kind of guy. And to that point, most of the people that I had been interested in were leave your options open kind of people. And so I felt safe with him because of that um 
another way that I knew was once we had been dating for a while, I, you know, I had to share some things with him that had happened to me in my past and he did not, uh, he didn't look at me any differently, but he hugged me and comforted me, consoled me, let me know it wasn't my fault, that kind of stuff. And, um, that his, his reaction to, uh, uncomfortable conversation was one of the ways that I knew that he was the one for me. One of the ways. I don't know that there's ever just one way, but there's multiple ways. Next question. What do you dislike about yourself? I think I posted this one too. Um, there, do you want like alphabetic list? You want a chronological list? Um, I do love myself. I do love myself, but there are things that I'm just not a fan of. And so I'm working on it. Uh, spiritually, one of the things that I'm not a huge fan of and I'm working on is discipline. Um, I do think that's a spiritual thing, being a disciplined person. I really have to work at it. I have to, I have to work to get up before my husband and child. Um, it doesn't come naturally to me to just be consistent in some things, but I find comfort in consistency. And so I work really hard to be disciplined in my prayer and devotion time. I work really hard to be disciplined in uh, what I take in, like entertainment-wise. Just as far as, like, I will, just because my brain needs a break, I'll veg out for a second on a game. Like a card game on my phone or Sudoku on my phone or something like that. And so uh, I work hard to be disciplined. It's not something that comes naturally to me. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Um, physically, some things I don't like about myself. Uh, one of the main things I don't like about myself is my ankle swell. Even when I'm not pregnant, my ankle swell. It's like a hereditary thing, though, so it's not really a lot I can do about it. I just try to drink a lot of water and um, be nice to them. I jogged a lot in, like a, in a not healthy way uh, some years ago, and I would twist my ankle, and I would just keep jogging on it. <laughs> Uh, like I would mess up my ankle and just push through it. And I it ended up messing up my ankles even worse. So my ankles do swell a lot. Not my favorite feature of myself. Um, socially, one of the things that I'm not a huge fan of, but I'm learning to, uh, temper is I always have something to say. And so I try really hard not to say all the things that I think. I was not that way. <laughs> I was not always that way growing up. Usually if I thought it, I said it. Uh, but that is something that I've worked on. And um, I try to, you know, use whatever I say to build up and not tear down. Because the power of life and death's in the tongue. So I really work on that, but I always get something to say. I'm a real smart mouth. Which can be funny and entertaining, but also a detriment in some settings. So, there's a, a few things, but that's not to say that I'm uh, not working on it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Jean? All right, let's get to the next question. 
I lost my spot. Okay, we're back. Okay, the question is, is not following holiness standards a sin? Or can it be boiled down to just not be separate from the world like God wants us? Okay, that's what they're saying. They're saying, is it a sin to not follow holiness standards? Or is it, you boil it down, it's just that we're not being separate from the world like God wants us to be. And that part's a sin. Here's the deal, my pickles. You're kind of saying the same thing. So... The reason we have holiness standards is that it makes us visibly separate from the world. When God said, come out from among them and be you separate, that's part of holiness. I'm not just saying holiness on the outside and sleeves to your ankles and, you know, skirts to your toes. I'm not just saying like that. Those are standards that are specific to the church where... The Lord places you. And I do believe that the Lord will place you in a church. He will place you with the shepherd that you need to get you to heaven. Um, I am a huge proponent of a spiritual covering of a God assigned pastor and not just like church hopping to whatever makes you feel comfortable. However, when you do not have outward holiness and not just females, this is dudes too. outward holiness, not just in what you wear, but in the attitude that you possess in the interactions uh, holiness in your interactions business-wise, in your interactions with people at the market, whatever. When you do not display holiness on the outside, people cannot see any kind of separation from them. And so they don't know that anything's different about you. So how are they going to find a way to be different from what they already are? Does that make sense? The fact is we are holy Because we are called to be separate. We follow holiness guidelines, standards, whatever is for your church. Because we're called to be separate. And just as much as the Ten Commandments are commandments. You know, don't kill, don't steal, don't covet, don't steal your neighbor's wife, whatever. Um, Those are commandments, right? So is this, be holy. That's a commandment. And so having holiness, again, not just on the outside, but on the inside. If you really have real holiness on the inside, showing it on the outside won't be a problem. You're not going to fight tooth and toenail to see just how far you can go. When holiness is a matter of the heart, you will have no problem showing it on the outside. That's period. Next. Uh, what's a prayer you do over your family? Uh, growing up, my mom always prayed over us kids at night and like dad, you know, the great white prophet, Doug White, he'd come pray with us and we'd be like, thanks dad. Can you send mom back? <laughs> so it was never quite the same. So mom always said a prayer over us. And so I started praying over Onyx, um, pretty much from the time he was born. And I I say this prayer most every night. Um, it's very simple. I want it to be something that here, because I still remember the prayer that mom prayed over us. And this prayer is very similar to it. I don't know that it's exact, but um, uh, basically it says, thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for our family. Bless us and keep us safe through the night. And let your angels of protection be round about us and those that we love. In Jesus' name, amen.
That's what we say. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I add to it, you know, if dad should keep dad safe while he travels or keep Mimi and Buddy safe while they travel. Or, you know, Onyx has been struggling with um, waking up screaming from nightmares. And so I'll say, help us to have happy dreams tonight. So I add things to it. But in general, that's what I pray over our family, that we are kept safe and angels protect us. And that's what I pray with Onyx every night. Uh, for my family and, like, my, my prayer time, I pray that we um, get strength from the Lord because we, we do a lot and we, we weary ourselves, I'm sure, sometimes unnecessarily. Um, I pray for sensitivity to follow God's will and wisdom to know what is the will and using that sensitivity. So that's some of the prayer we pray. Uh, next question. Any advice for newlyweds choosing to wait before having children despite the pressure to have kids soon after marriage? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I got some advice for you. Uh, quit answering people. It's <laughs> not their business. It is your family unit. That is your body. That is your husband's body. It ain't got nothing to do with nobody else except the two of you. People love to live vicariously, right? The excitement of having a child is real. I get it. But that doesn't mean I have to get pregnant so that you can be excited. That doesn't mean I have to mess up and circumvent the plan that we have so that you can find a little bit of joy in your life sporadically when we're the ones that are going to end up with the child. So, um, David and I were hardly married. We were hardly dating before they were like, when are you getting married? We got married when you have a kid. We had our kid when you have another kid. So it's like, if you people will just shut up and leave us alone, we're going to live our lives and we'll figure it out. But we don't need you all up in our business. But, of course, we couldn't say if you people would shut up. We would never say that. Instead, it's kind of like, I know, it'll be so great when the time is right. That's what I usually say. So when are you guys going to have a kid? That's what they'd say to me. And I would say, you know, in the Lord's timing, it's going to be great when the time is right. And it's leave it at that. Um, but just stand your ground. You don't have to be ugly. But you can stand your ground in a, in a nice Christian way. All right. So our next question. How do you navigate working a secular job? Because bills need to be paid. When your heart is truly in ministry, did you ever struggle juggling both? Uh, I'll answer the last question first. Yes, I did struggle juggling both. Because whatever I do, I tend to do it 100%. And when you're doing two separate things, you run out of percents. <laughs> so I didn't have 200% to give. And so I found myself stretched really thin. Um, I did work a secular job uh, for a while. Uh, my, my, last, <laughs> my last career, I've had a few. I get, uh, I don't know if I, bored's the word, but I will always want to learn how to do something else. And so... Uh, my last career I had that I resigned from was uh, I was a special education teacher who worked uh, in the academics of special education, but also in the behavioral uh, retraining for some students who uh, struggled 
with behavioral norms. And I'll leave it there. You can get into that another time. Um, so that was the job that I did. I think one of the main ways to balance that, navigate that, I think is the word you guys used, um, is understanding that your secular job is a form of ministry. It's easier to see that ministry with certain jobs. Like I was working with kids who needed stability and consistency and kindness. And so it was kind of like, I can see where this is ministry. If you are working at a bill collection agency, it might be difficult to see that as ministry uh, because, you know, it's not a job that is uh, always hands-on and helping people. Or, you know, if you are, I don't know, if you are work, if you're in high school and you're working at Sonic or McDonald or something like, well, how am I ministering to people by taking their order? Well, believe it or not, if your whole life is ministry, then no matter what you do, it is ministry. And, you know, scripture says, whatsoever you do, do in the name of the Lord, right? And find whatever your hands do, do it. Whatever your hands, just do it. The Lord's going to use it. So you showing Jesus in your, in your interactions with people is ministry. Um, as far as balancing the two, being able to leave work at work is helpful. Um, it's kind of a double standard though, because we say leave work at work, carry ministry with you always. But that's kind of how you have to do it. You leave work at work, but every minute of your life is ministry. And so make sure that you schedule your time out. Practically speaking, there are ways, you know, to, to manage the two. Schedule your time out to where you are making sure that you are maintaining your Christianity uh, and therefore your ministry. But I understand, friend, it can be difficult. I loved, I loved what I did before I resigned, but I knew, I knew that it was time for me to be full-time ministry, full-time mom for, for my family. And I know, I know that everything is a season. Scripture says everything's a season. And so there may be a time when I go back into, uh, behavioral management, behavioral retraining, special education teaching, there may be a time for that. Who knows? But I know for now, this is the season that I need to be in. Hope that answered your question. All right. What is our next question? How to not put pressure on and oh, okay. How to not put pressure on every encounter with an attractive guy. I worry too much about what it could turn into that I psych myself out and don't live in the moment and just chill. You know, actually it says a YK question mark, which I'm assuming is, you know, I'm old now. There are things I don't know. Speaking of my nephew the other day was like, do you know what, what did he say? Riz? Riz is? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, it's like when you got gay, like you can really flirt. I was like, oh, I got it then. I just didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know I had it, but I for definitely have it. He thought I was joking. <laughs> he don't know me. Anyways, we're back. YK, you know, is what they said. How to not put pressure on every kind of... Okay, here's the deal. Don't go into every situation assuming that you're talking to your husband. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
Don't go into every situation thinking, as soon as I talk to this person, they're going to fall in love with me. Then what am I going to do? But also don't go into every situation thinking, as soon as I talk to this person, I'm going to fall in love with them. Then what am I going to do? For the record, whoever sent me this is probably sharing some traits with the Enneagram 4. We have the tendency to over-romanticize everything. How to not put pressure on it. Just be yourself. Because here's the fact of the matter. Whoever you end up with in the long run is going to see your true self. And so if you just start off every relationship, be it romantic, friendship, whatever, if you start those relationships off just being you, then you don't have to worry about the adjustment phase of them figuring out who you actually are. Just be yourself. Who else you going to be? So that's how to not put pressure on it. Also, why are you psyching yourself out? Look, just know who you are. If you know who you are, it doesn't matter who people think you are because you already know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And you ain't worried about what everybody thinks about you. That's what I say. Next question. Oh, here we go. The worst advice you've ever given. <laughs> okay, what is <laughs> what is the worst advice I've ever given? It's like the worst day thing. I try not to keep track of bad advice I've given. Um, I don't know if it was really advice, but I did make a suggestion one time that I think could have turned out okay, but um, it didn't. Um, so there was this dude that was trying to holler at me, um, (laughs) when I was actually talking to David and he just would not catch a hint. And so I told (laughs) one of my friends, I was like, look, can you, cause he like, he called me and was like under the guise of something spiritual, but it never just stayed about spiritual things. Like it was always like more like chatty, like chatting me up kind of thing. And like, I was very obviously talking to David at the time. Like, I don't know why this dude was this way. It's probably something from his past. I didn't get into it because I didn't have the energy. But I told my friends, like, look, he is not catching the hint. Will you just kind of, like, talk to him so that I ain't got to worry about it anymore? Well, ended up, they ended up dating, and it did not end up in a healthy relationship. <laughs> so, I again, I was younger. But I don't know if that's technically advice. But I did make a suggestion that these two people talk so that this person would leave me alone. And then stuff went sideways. I guess that counts. Uh, Next question. How to handle the pressure of being a pastor's kid. And also trying not to get burnt out when you feel like you're so involved in everything at church. When you don't really want to be. Boy, do I know the feeling. Okay. Here's the truth of the matter. There is a lot of pressure as a pastor's kid to be involved in everything. Like you have to be the Sunday school teacher and you have to be on the platform singing at the same time somehow. Also, you need to be a part of the sign team, I guess. Also, you need to be a part of the media team. Also, you need to be a part also, also, also in every small group and every everything. Because if you don't, Someone might think that you're one of those pastor's kids that are just so rebellious. 
or you might let somebody down. And a lot of times what ends up happening is pastor's kids live their life, including their relationship with God, for the approval of others, for the appeasement of others, instead of living their life, including their relationship with God, for the approval of God. You do not have to be involved in every single available ministry to please God. As a matter of fact, it may be displeasing to God if you are involved in every single ministry coming and going, but have no personal walk with him. I remember in my teenage years, um, I was involved in a lot. I tried, I tried a lot of things. I wanted to know what ministries do I want to get involved in because it had always been kind of like an assumption. Oh yeah, she's going to be in music ministry because, you know, I sang and I played and whatever. And so that, that assumption was there. And I mean, it, it panned out. I'm obviously in music ministry to some extent. And so I also wanted to know what are, what other options are available. So there was a time that I tried working with the kids and I enjoyed it. Uh, but it didn't last long because I had to go back to worship, you know, back to preparing for the worship services. I was also involved um, in like another team situation. And so I helped. <laughs> so involved in another ministry that was team based, but it required a lot of off night stuff and um I went to the coordinator and I said, look, I, I'm not upset or anything, but I have to take things off my plate because I'm not doing anything any justice and I'm exhausted. And so I removed myself from that ministry. But it wasn't, it wasn't like I was the only one they were depending on. So that helped. Also, uh, Kennedy and Onyx have joined us in this room. So you will be hearing background noise because they're kids and they're allowed to be kids. So that's how I did it. But at whatever point your personal relationship with God starts suffering because you have no time for it because of your public deeds for God, it's time to rethink it. All right. Next question. Do you want kids eventually? I already have kids, actually. I have Onyx, who was born in November of 21. And I have a baby on the way who will be here in June, June the 20th. And um, we have a baby already in heaven uh, that uh, passed last June. So I already have children. So eventually, yes, I'd like to keep my children. <laughs> uh, next question. Is your church super welcoming? I'm planning on moving to Texas and was curious. Yes, my church is very welcoming. Um, they're almost suffocating. They're so welcoming. <laughs> uh, you get three times of being a visitor, and then everyone just assumes that you're always going to be there. So if you're going to come, if you don't want to stick around, you only come twice. If you come three times, we're assuming that you're just always going to be there. So yes, we are very, very welcoming. We have plenty of ways and places to be involved, and... That is uh, that's how church is supposed to be, I think. There are times people come to our church and, like, in my brain, it doesn't dawn on me that they've not always been there. Like, it confuses me when, 
when they say, oh, I wasn't here when that happened. I was like, what do you mean you weren't here when that happened? He's like, I've only been here two years. I'm like, whoa, what? I don't know. We just, we adopt everybody as family. Um, so yeah, very, very welcoming. If you're in, if you are in the area, stop by. We'd love to worship with you. Next question. Baby names you love, but won't be using. Well, we're having a boy, not a girl. So we will not be using the girl name that we decided on after we found out we were having a boy. Then we finally found the girl name that we're okay with. Um, so, uh, we like the name Genevieve for a middle name. Hold on a second. Onyx. What are you doing, bud? Okay. Well, Onyx found a noisy toy, so we're just going to have to endure. So, we like the name Genevieve, uh, but we won't be using it because we're having a boy. Uh, there are a few other names that we like, but uh, the, here's the thing. We haven't even decided on a name, actually. we we Onyx, uh, Onyx we just knew. We're like, Onyx Solomon, we know it. But we did not. We still haven't decided on a name with this baby. So, I don't know. I mean, it'll have a name by the time it gets here, but <laughs> it may not have one before then. All right, I had to pause a minute. Onyx is now in my lap. Uh, kids, I'm trying to find the right question. I keep losing my spot. I have so many questions this time. Next question. Do you have trust issues? <laughs> sort of. I don't always have trust issues. I just have issues trusting certain people. So, um... I am all about forgiveness and multiple chances. Lord knows I have needed them in the past. But loving someone is not the same as trusting someone. So um, any trust issues I do have, I feel like they're earned. <laughs> but it's not always that I trust nobody. It's that there are certain uh, people, certain spirits that people have about them that I don't trust. So I don't have trust issues, but I do have issues trusting some people uh, because they have shown themselves to not be trustworthy. So I guess that answers your question. Do I have trust issues? What is wrong with you people? Just digging in this time. Okay, I'll have to come back to that one. Ooh. With a busy lifestyle, when and how do you try to incorporate prayer? If you go one or two, I guess that's days, without praying, do you feel like you are so far away from God? Yeah, uh, the longer I go without praying, the further I feel from the Lord. Absolutely. It's the same thing like when you have friends that you don't talk to for two or three days or months. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, it's, it's not that when you talk to them, it's hard to talk to them again. It's just that you don't know what's going on with them. And so it's kind of hard to live in the will of God when you're not talking to God about his will. That's not to say that when you pray again, you know, it's, it's, um, it's difficult to pray. Because there are a lot of times that I can, I can start praying and I instantly feel the spirit. Even if it's been a couple of days. But that's not because I'm so good. It's because God's so good. <laughs> but if I'm going to know what he wants in my life daily, then I need to talk to him daily. Uh, busy life. So how do I incorporate it? I usually wake up before 
the boys. I'll wake up before David and Onyx so that I have some quiet time. Um, and I use that time for prayer and devotion. Usually, I try to make it like two hours before them. It doesn't always happen because we're night owls, not early birds. I like mornings. I just don't like being out in the mornings. But a lot of times, the only time we get to sit and talk is at night. So we go to bed late most of the time. But I try to wake up two hours before them so that I have time to pray. I have time to read the Bible, do devotions, or read whatever book I'm reading at the time. Uh, so that's how I do it. I have to schedule it in. It's not, it's not that I only pray at that time. You know, you pray without ceasing. You, I pray going on the road. I pray in the store. I pray all the time. I'm in a spirit of prayer. You know, if if I if I if I can be, I'm in the spirit of prayer because I live my life talking to the Lord. That's how He talks through me because I talk to Him. But for a specific time set aside, I do schedule it in. I schedule because I love. Schedule because I love. Um, next question. I've been backslid for close to five years. I want to come back so bad, but there's just a lot that has stopped me. I'm so ashamed and scared. Any advice? Come back. That's the advice. Come back. You. My advice to the backslider is come back. You choose your rock bottom. The devil doesn't choose your rock bottom. You choose your rock bottom. Because you can think you're at rock bottom, but if you continue to go further and further down the wrong path, you'll create a new rock bottom. Does that make sense? So, your rock bottom is your choice. Your rock bottom can happen as soon as you want it to. And you can be done with it and move on with your life and get it all back together. All right. Another question. What is the stupidest thing you thought as a kid? The most embarrassing thing you've ever done. Stupidest thing I thought as a kid. Um, I, <laughs> I thought growing up that when you got married, the Lord just knew when you needed a baby and he gave you one, but they were already in your heart in a rocking chair and they fell out of the rocking chair into your belly after you got married and you had a baby. That's what I used to think. True story. And all of my innocence. The most embarrassing thing I've ever done is, uh, or not just as a kid, in general. Uh, there are so many options to choose from. <laughs> um, I, okay, I think one of my most embarrassing moments, I don't know if it's the most, one of my most embarrassing moments. I was, um, it's long before I got married. I was at a HYC in uh, New York with my dad. <laughs> with my dad, and they wanted me to sing altar call, so I did. And then they like the altar call shifted and was like going up, you know, it's going to be like more of a rejoicing thing. And the MD looked at me and he was like, you know, going up to the high places. And I was like, yeah. He's like, let's do that one. I was like, okay. Apparently there was a different going up to the high places than I had thought he was talking about <laughs> I got up there I just started singing so confidently and the whole praise team was like what is she doing and so finally I just kind of was like boop boop 
Doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-
I think I've answered all the questions. Uh, thank you for submitting the questions that you did submit. Thank you for listening to all the noise of Onyx and Kennedy while we did this. In the middle of this episode, Kennedy has tried so hard to keep Onyx from uh, making noise. Making noise. Uh, but Onyx also spilled uh, pretty much an entire cup of drink milk on me. So, so it is, this is it's gonna be patchy, friends. Welcome to real life. This is <laughs> this is real life. Uh, we will talk to you next time. It's been an interesting episode. Well, that was fun. Uh, I'm glad you stuck around for the whole thing, and thank you for talking to me today. Y'all go like and follow and review and do all the podcast things that people do. And um, don't forget to be a good human.